Alright, alright, alright. You're missing the point. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? Why don't we just send up 150 nuclear warheads and blast that rock apart? The last thing I need is another trigger-happy moron out here. Time's a luxury we don't have. Relax, amigo. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. Welcome to Christian Conspiracy Coalition, a place where the best minds in the conspiracy realm gather together to share and discuss their faith, Christianity, and the spiritual war thrust upon humanity. Peter 4.10 states, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And in that spirit, we gather here today to share our own gifts, our knowledge, perspective, and understanding of the world in which we live in. On today's table, the Coalition, we have first up Christopher and Jason from Operation Red Pill. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, what's happening, Drew? Thank Good you for here, having man. us. Thanks for coming back, guys. You are a staple of the show, and I love the conversations. Up next, Heidi Love from the Unfiltered Rise podcast. Welcome, Heidi. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. Fantastic. It's good to have you back. And today we have a fellow Aussie, Stella from the Union of Knowns podcast. Welcome, Stella. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah, you um, contacted me and you were listening to Heidi's work and you were almost fangirling out about how much you guys have in common. So we definitely have to get you together in some capacity. <laughs> I'm down. We're doing it. Thank you for doxing me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is this is what it's all about. It's about having conversations with people that you connect with and uh, have some kind of similarities with so you can have these open conversations. All right. Absolutely. On today's yes. show, these are the three topics we'll be covering. So here's a rough outline, people. Number one, the Israel-Palestine conflict and its potential links with scriptural end times prophecy. Number two, Project Blue Beam and how it could be used to deceive the world. And number three, the goals and the agenda of transhumanism. Let's start off with end times prophecy. All right, let us begin. Since the dawn of time, nearly every generation thought that they were living through the end times, whether that be the times of Nero and the fall of the Roman Empire, to the generations through the Cold War that were thinking that a nuclear Armageddon was imminent. So with nearly every generation thinking they are in the precipice of end times, how can we truly be sure of what's happening when they seem to get it so wrong? How do we know? Are there things that have to happen to allow end times to proceed? What do we do? How do we know what to look for and what are the signs that will have to happen before this occurs? Who would like to start off? What are your thoughts? This is a big conflict. I didn't want to talk about it even on my own show until the two-week <laughs> news cycle had kind of been done and dusted. But it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon, which is quite ironic because it's been happening in that part of the world <laughs> in time memoriam. And I don't think it's ever going to stop until the end times. But it seems like there's a guttural feeling that there's something different about this one, and I can't quite place it. What are people's thoughts? Well, no one knows the uh, day or the hour, you know? 
we're not supposed to know the day or the hour, but I do think they are trying to make some big moves here. I don't know if God's making the moves as much as man is possibly making the moves. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I feel like there's a lot going on. You were going to say, Christopher? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, the um, the whole, the, the Bible says, you know, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places and wars and rumors of wars, but these are like birth pangs. And before I had children, I didn't really appreciate exactly what that meant. Because the idea that, you know, their birth pangs is the fact that they will they will happen. And it doesn't mean that the, the birth is actually taking place. But then they get more frequent and then almost nonstop. And then, you know, that kind of moves things along. So, so going through that twice with my wife, I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot more sense. That it's not actually the signs of the times. It just means that we are moving in this particular direction. Um, but one of the things, Drew, you asked uh, that has to happen before like the the end of the world scenario that we get from the Bible is that one of the things that I look for is the the construction of the third temple. You know, because Jesus says, you know, when you see the abomination of desolation and what he's referring to is, I believe it was the Greeks when they occupied Israel, they had, I believe, raised a statue of Zeus in the Holy of Holies of the temple. And this was considered the abomination of desolation. And it was a whole thing. It, it triggered the um, Maccabean revolt. And then they had to rededicate the temple because it was defiled. And I mean, that's what Hanukkah is, I believe, is the celeb- um, the remembrance of rededicating the temple. So if this is something that we're looking for, then there has to be a third temple in place to trigger you know, some of these things. So looking for things that, that haven't happened yet and kind of need to be established, that, that's one that I look for, is the third temple. And this definitely and then, seems like it's a good place for that to set it up. It's ever since the inception of the state of Israel, the borders have been getting progressively bigger and bigger and more Palestinians have been pushed out of that nation to the point where it's almost like they're the only thing that's in the way. I think in its current state that if the government of Israel ever tried to knock down the mosque that's on the Temple Mount and rebuild the temple, that would be have massive repercussions politically and geopolitically for them as a nation. And it seems like all they need to do is move a certain demographic out of the way for that to happen. And at the moment, with Gaza essentially being surrounded and people pushed out and dealt with in what a lot of people would describe as a genocide, it seems like it's definitely going through those motions that's leading up to a possible rebuilding of the temple. Well, that's already built. Yeah, it's built and waiting to be moved in. That's what's kind of frightening is it's been ready. And so, I mean, now it's just the land, right? Like waiting for that demolition, like you were saying, Drew, and that they're ready, like they've been ready. And so that's, you know... So, I so know. I've, yeah, the, I believe, the, for, I be- sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, there's some heavy mm-hmm. delays going on. Um, yeah, I believe they, I was just going to say, I believe they have the red heifers all gathered and lined up. There's a number of them, perfect red heifers. Yep. So they they're do. moving I think forward. everything's ready. Yep. Yeah, that makes it, it nerve wracking. But I do feel like it, I'm torn between that and like, them falsely creating it because they can make earthquakes 
They control weather. They control everything now. I think looking possibly to the stars is one of the few things we have left because there's certain signs that are supposed to come. But like at the same time, again, they control things. They're sending up tons of satellites for better Wi-Fi. <laughs> I don't know. Everything mm-hmm. seems sketchy right now to me, you know? How do you, I don't know. Yeah, I don't and, it's, and it's a really blurry line between, you know, whether the the enemy side is trying to orchestrate things and how much God actually knows is going to happen anyway, right? Because so much of what mm-hmm. happened to Jesus was prophesied in advance. And then they say afterwards that if Satan knew what he was doing, he would have never sacrificed the son of glory. So I think a lot of Satan's intentions are to bring these things about, you know, if he wants to have an antichrist, you know, in a particular position, you know, governing the world or whatever, a lot of it has to be intentional orchestration of these end time things. And I'm not sure, you know, being on, on, on this side of it, if we can say whether or not it's completely fabricated is in like a false prophecy or if them trying to fulfill their agendas just plays right into God's hand to, to what he has planned. Definitely confusing. That is for sure. I feel like I'm confused. I'm very glad to hear you guys talking like this because I saw this topic and just went, Oh, Um, I'm pretty confused about it too. And and it's almost like, um, I, 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 I'm not saying that the Bible is just art, but it, it just reminds me of, you know, is life imitating art or is art imitating life? You know, chicken or eggs almost like, is this being orchestrated and brought in or is it natural? So yeah, I'm totally on board with you guys. hundred percent. Yeah, it's a fine line between whether it's prophecy or they're just manif- they're creating it, manifesting. I hate that word, my God, what I say? Making it happen. <laughs> but that can still be in itself be the prophecy because it still is occurring, right? The biggest right. thing I find Absolutely. about this and end times prophecy is mm. that it seems to be always around the war and rumours of war and mass conflict and being this terrible thing. But there's other aspects of um, prophetic scripture which I see happening today, which are very, a lot more subtle in what's going on. Um, Isaiah, for example, Isaiah 41, 18 through 20. And I'll read these out and I'll make my connection as to how I think this could be possibly playing into things. And like you said, those birthing pains are things that have to happen before it occurs. So 18 is, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. 19. I will put the desert, the cedar, and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland and fir and the cypress together. 20. So the people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Isaiah 35, 6 through 7 is... Then will the lamb leap like a deer and the mute tongues shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In our lifetime, we're seeing the Middle East and North Africa be re-greened and its climate is actually shifting back to what it was during the Roman period. North Africa historically was always the grain, the food bowl of the Roman Empire. It was green, it was lush, and those deserts that we know of in our lifetime never really existed on the scale that they do today. And what we're seeing now through man-made aspects of it, like we see in Saudi Arabia, they're re-greening the desert. 
They're using cloud modification to bring through rains. And in some aspect, the natural climate is going back to what it was. So in our lifetimes, we're seeing this region of the world become plentiful again, become bountiful for almost like it was in the times of when a lot of this word was written. It's changing back to what it was. For me, that might be a subtle sign, or at least I think it is a subtle sign that things are ramping up and changing. Does it mean that it's going to happen in my lifetime? I've got no idea. Like you said, Heidi, we don't have a time or a date on this, but it definitely indicates to me that the wheels are in motion and these things are, uh, things are definitely coming into fruition. I definitely think we should be prepared and try and lead as many people as we can at this point to God. Like uh, that's the whole, my whole point of doing anything online because <laughs> I would never do that otherwise. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think it's important at this time for sure. I think that one well, I of the, think it, it fought. Go ahead. No, you get, you got it, Christopher. No, no you hang hey, up. I was, <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say that um, in this, in this gap, because if you look at the, the, the 70 weeks of, of Daniel, you know, nah, we, you we know what? To get a map. You stole my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I let you go and you steal it. You know what? Next time, I'm going to be so nice. Should have gone first, man. Yeah, next time, no, I'm You should have so jumped nice. in there. Yeah. <laughs> go on but 70 weeks. We, we tend... <laughs> right. No, so so we tend to be in, in this like gap between the 69th and, and the 70th week. And I think it was Chuck Missler that, that pointed this out, that one of the aspects of... Um, Hebrew prophecy isn't just like prediction of fulfillment, but it's also pattern. So if we look back to the flood and we have, um, oh, what was his name? Uh, the, the guy that lived 969 years, the, the longest living human, Methuselah. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to be so bitter about it. Yeah. He's angry now. Is, is it coming through? <laughs> Are you feeling it? Oh, oh no. I got it, I got it for <laughs> sure. But no, so it was uh, the idea was that his well his name means his death shall bring, but there was a prophecy that when Methuselah died there would be a a coming judgment of God, and this just happened to be the longest living human being that we have record of, and and Chuck Missler points out that this is a testament to the the long suffering and the grace of God, giving them the most time before the judgment comes, and I see I. It, it seems to me that that's what we have now in this interlude between the 69th and the 70th week in this space that we're like, we don't know how much time we have. And it seems like it's taking forever. I think it's really the long suffering and the grace that God has given the church to reach as many people as possible before the coming judgment. Just like you were saying, Heidi, we have to, to reach people and point them to truth in Jesus Christ. You know, I would agree before I was so rudely interrupted <laughs> by my, my co-host um no dude i think you're spot on um and one of the things I, I was gonna point out was the the fact that part of this part of the problem i think a lot of us run into is we hear the the rhetoric of end times bantered about so much that it almost you get numb to it you know somebody runs around we're in the end times we're, we're in the end times now oh my goodness now we're definitely in the end times and I think it started right at the point where Jesus was executed. 
you know, that really initiated the end times, but it only makes sense as Christopher was saying from viewed from the 70 weeks of Daniel perspective and the fact of understanding that we're in an interlude period, part of that being allowing for the times of the Gentiles to complete its cycle, which is part of what makes the understanding of how long is this going on a bit of a, question mark like we don't know how long the times of the gentiles are like the fulfillment all the people that were supposed to be offered salvation given an opportunity to accept or reject jesus christ like it's a grand scale type of thing but in that in the interim i think we we see the enemy's forces gearing up and doing different things and i think that they overlap and part of the problem in discerning what we're seeing is I think that we we have a tendency, especially in the West, to look at it as almost chronological solely. And we don't see the overlap between different events. Right. So you can see the Palestine conflict and we're like, was that the rumors of wars part or or not? But you can still have rumors of wars. And at the same time, you can still have the time of the Gentiles happening and at the same time. You can still have Jesus Christ waiting for the nation of Israel to acknowledge him, which is one of the things that needs to happen because they rejected him as their savior. They need to go back and actually acknowledge him and invite him back. Like, there's a number of different things that that have to happen in order for the return of Christ to happen. But it's also hard to determine, you know, what we're seeing because we have varying definitions of what end times are you know are, are end times high inflation are end times where they stop making dodge challengers with you know big hemi v8 <laughs> engines because for me that's end times you know the fact that the electric vehicle is coming online feels like an end times type of thing you know or is it uh <laughs> as we see you know what's happening on a geopolitical scale what is it and I think get, getting that core definition is very important and getting a constructual framework to view these things through is very important because if we don't, then what the other side is doing is creating a narrative and then making use of that created narrative to control the minds of people that are looking at things. And there's so much extra information that's happening. You know, I was just watching the movie Armageddon the other day. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm watching this. Like, this is not biblically how the world ends. But for some reason, the idea of a giant asteroid hitting the planet and wiping everything out and creating a nuclear winter, something that's fairly entertaining to me. I don't I don't know why. <laughs> but it's not because really. you got your go bags. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but, you know, it's gotta end times. Go. We, got, we got to prepare for end times. And that's not the way scripture that's says right. end times will happen. So there is this whole other narrative that's happening. I think the the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict that we see is a very interesting aspect of that narrative. For instance, and I, I'm sure we we're going to touch on, you know, the Pike letters. Everybody, there seems to be a lot of contention as to whether or not Albert Pike, who is considered to be a uh, very venerated Freemason and esoteric leader, whether the the letters that he wrote or, or assumed that he wrote are actually legitimate, I don't know. I wasn't there. But what is alarming mm. to me is the fact that people seem to, at, at the very least, they seem to be following the script presented in those letters. And one of the things that was presented was that the Israel and Palestine conflict would, or Israel would need to be used in a way 
that would cause the world to get sick of Israel and Christianity in particular, where they would look at it and be like, this, this is just isn't working, which would offer an opportunity for a completely new religion or geopolitical um, solution to be presented, right? It's the Hegelian dialectic. We Hegelian dialect. Exactly. Yep. We create the problem yep. and we give the solution. If we look at this whole mm. Israel-Palestine conflict from a different perspective, the first question I would ask, looking at the fact that historically most of modern wars have been implemented through financiers on the back end who normally don't get talked about. And most of those financiers are of quote unquote Jewish heritage and that Jewish heritage being. Yeah, there's a huge <laughs> quote unquote. Drew, I don't want to use your platform to say something extremely controversial, ah. but since you invited me here, <laughs> you know, a lot of these people who we're talking about, Rothschild, for sure. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, have, they have um, Jewish ancestry, but it's normally through Ashkenazi Jews or Khazarian Jews. Which, which are converts in the first place anyway. They so are, they're Jewish in name only. They are, mm-hmm. but I, I take a more direct look and, and definitely more controversial. Um, and it's, it's based on what you see in Scripture where Jesus was addressing a group of people and he said, it was the Pharisees in particular, and he said, you know, essentially, you, you're claiming to be Jews, but you're not. And the way that he, he did it with them was, was quite interesting because they basically just agreed to the whole thing and was like, yeah, you know, what you say has happened with Jewish people never happened to us. Like we were never enslaved. Our, our fathers were never enslaved. But to be Jewish, you have to come through the line of Shem, right? If you're going back to Noah's three sons, you got Ham, Shem, and Japheth. You got to come through the line of Shem in order to have, you know, come through Abraham and have Jewish ancestry. The problem is when you're dealing with Khazarian Jews, they come through the line of Japheth, so they don't have an ethnic tie. If they don't have an ethnic tie to literally be considered ethnic Jews, then to me, mm-hmm. it seems to qualify as what Jesus was saying, that there are people who claim to be Jewish and are not. That being said, these are the people who are financing our world and they finance conflict. If they finance conflict and they profit off of it, they also have to control narratives. If they control narratives, they're controlling perspectives. And if they're controlling perspectives, everything we're told, we have to now question and ask. So you have to ask the question. We're told there's an Israel-Palestinian conflict, but what is Israel? What is Palestine? And are they really in conflict? Nobody in mainstream media that I have found has asked that question. Nobody's given the definition. Like, who really is Israel? Who really is Palestine? How did these people get into this land? What is the conflict that we're being told? Is the conflict really an ethnic issue or is it a manufactured geopolitical issue? Are people not are people dying because, yeah, they are. But are they dying for the reasons that we're being told? That's a huge, are they huge question. Ex- funding and extending the thing that's always been there and ramping it up. It's, it's like a, a complete, like you said, the P, the powers that be, like the bricks showing up when there were riots. They're they're just making this happen at a higher level when it, it they've been at war with each other for a long time, and so they're just ramping it up because they All got right. the money. Yeah, let me just put my tinfoil hat on. Oh, you got, yeah, it. got it. Yes, there it is. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Why did you get me down this this rabbit hole in particular? Okay, um, this will be <laughs> the episode. Might be a little tight, 
guessing it is very tired. <laughs> you see, Drew, I wasn't going to say nothing. And then you had to ask the question. And I'm like, all right, well, fine. I, I got to say something, else the man's going to kick me off the show next time. <laughs> this, is, this is the interesting thing that I find about, and, and you're right, that the large majority of modern-day Israelis that live in Israel, or you could say Jews, whatever you want to term them as, they're from Ashkenazi stock, or there's another group, uh, eth- ethnic group, air quotes, that's also of European stock that were converts. They're not ethnic Jews themselves, which leaves two subgroups in Israel, which make up a smaller portion mm. of the population, which are ethnically to that part of the world. They also share ancestry with the Palestinian people that currently live there. Now, my concerns are that we're seeing a lot of targeting towards not only the Palestinian people, but there's a lot of hate within Israel towards the two demographics which were already living in um, British Palestine or British Jordan, whatever you wanted to coin it, a term it, at, in its time. There's a lot of word around ethnic bioweapons being used to target the Arab population. Now, my question is, is that actually targeting the Arab population or is it actually targeting the true genetic ethnic Jews of that region? In which case, it would also wipe out a lot of Israelis at the same time. And is this a greater agenda to actually wipe out God's chosen people? Because within their own prophecy, it's said that 6 million Jews have to die in order for the nation of Israel to return. Now, was the Holocaust of that prophecy coming into fruition or is it being manipulated and now the true people of of Judah or the tribe of Judah, are they going to possibly be wiped out by future bioweapons? When you take into account the population that currently exists in Israel now, both in Gaza and the West Bank, for what you would consider Palestinians, they roughly come into the 6 million number outside of the actual Jewish population. Which prophecy, Drew, says that they, there have to be 6 million? There's a Kabbalistic Talmudic event that says their Messiah will return and once and their land will be given back to them once 6 million Jews have died. Now, we know that that isn't necessarily what would you be considered Torah Judaism, but it's a very dark prophecy for what you would consider to be the bad guys, air quotes. That That's crazy because <laughs> um, I've seen a bunch of like newspaper headlines and time and time again throughout history, there has been these events these things that happen to the Jews that apparently six, would you say six billion or six million? Six million. Six million, six million yes. It's always the same number that's come up. Six million Jews died. And like I saw at least five different events over the history that claim this particular number, which is interesting because we talked about whether or not things are orchestrated to fulfill prophecy or to make it look like it. It definitely seems like they've rung this bell several times and trying to say, look, it was six million. Well, okay, maybe not then, but now it's six million. Well, okay, this time it wasn't, but the next time it's definitely gonna be six million. That's interesting. I feel I didn't know I that feel like there was a prophecy. That's an occult tie. I feel like that's an occult tie with revelation of the method because they have to do it so many times to absolve themselves. Like what you're saying. Like so so many times before the real occurrence, they have to prime it. Because otherwise, they're okay. out of their their statutes, you know, with, with how they're governed. I mean, revelation of the method is always has to be performed. So that doesn't surprise me, and that's a good point. 
that you're bringing up. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's my point on it. I don't know from what you're saying. I didn't know that. So that's good. That's good information because they always do that. They always do that. And it's such a sticky wicket of a topic because (laughs) it's far too easy to have dog whistle terms like anti-Semitic thrown around. And that's deliberately been weaponized, in my opinion, to have any kind of criticism of the state of Israel or Jewish people in general. You instantly go to that term. But there's a bigger issue I find with end times prophecy that I have as a new Christian. I don't know if that's just the Australian perspective as well, Stiles, so I'll get your opinion on this. Um, What I find with a lot of the Christian Americans I listen to, present company excluded, is that the focus on end times prophecy is always the negative. It's always the wars, the rumours of wars. Um, Christians will suffer during this time. There's going to be trials and tribulations. And they always focus on like the negativity and the fear factor of it. It's really like upping the ante, getting people riled up to the point where it's purely motivated by fear. But we know what comes after that event, like after the trials and tribulations, what happens? He's returned and everything is as it should be, as it was promised and foretold in in prophecy. I think people tend to gloss over that or they completely are distracted by the, the horrors that have to happen in the middle that we've been told about. It's good to know about it and it's good to be prepared for it, but to dwell on that in itself uh, is almost like a a fool's errand because you're completely obfuscating the good things that happen after the fact. What do you think, Stella? Do you, would you say that's a fair assessment of what you hear um, as a Christian from, say, the American perspective in general? Yeah, definitely a generalised view, I would say, and... Um we have to always remember that, you know, all through the Bible we're told not to fear because we are God's children and um, it's all going to basically be okay in the end, but we're told not to fear. So that's that's the main thing, I think, is to remain in a state of non-fear, um, even though things may, may get a little bit scary or um, challenging, let's say, and uncomfortable and inconvenient. Um, but we all have to be prepared to, I think, I think, um, we, we need to be prepared to get out of our little cushy lives and be confronted by some pretty raw things because the cushy lives doesn't build a human at all, really, does it? It breaks down a human. So, um, yeah, I think going back to a raw, a more raw way of uh, living and thinking and, you know, surviving basically may not always be a bad thing. Um, so yes, but I would say, yes, that is a generalized thing. They, we all know that fear is one of their biggest weapons and they're going to apply it to every single aspect of life. So, um, yeah, I think we've just got to keep sticking with the word and sticking with praying. And, um, I, I, many, many times through all this and since the 2020 kicked in, I have been quite amazed at why, why don't I feel more fear? I don't, I don't really feel fear and I've been quite blown away by it but I just don't I can't create it it's just not there so um I guess we've just got to get fairly firm in what we believe I think I think the fear comes from people feeling inadequate like and not ready maybe like you know we all we all fall short of the glory of God but we I think a lot of times Christians miss grace and as long as your name is in that book you know and we're written down like if you've accepted Jesus Christ, like you're you're in there. You're you're not getting left behind because you looked at 
something you shouldn't have yesterday or some bad thing you told a lie or I think we're so hard on mm. ourselves though that that might be a factor. Well, it's it's almost like yeah. it's, it's, it seems like as humans we have a lot to live up to. We've got a big example <laughs> set out by Jesus and how do yes. how do we as being humans live up to those expectations? Yes. And I think we we can be very harsh on ourselves, but we also tend to forget no <laughs> one is free of sin. Everyone has sinned in some capacity. It would be inhuman not to sin because that's what we have ever since the Garden of Eden. That is a part of who we are, but it's what we do with that and how we overcome it and avoid it that's more important than anything else. Yes. I think people miss it, though. I think too many people focus on, like like you're saying, the negative of not just just that, but like the negative of all, a lot of things. If you ask people in general about something they went through in their life or whatever, they'll a lot of times focus on the negative, which is like with my cancer stuff, whenever I talk about it, I joke about it. Like I say things like, well, it didn't kill me or, oh, that was super dramatic or some funny thing because it that wasn't the struggle. The struggle is you overcome. And then what did you learn from it? Like, you know, grow. Like that's hard mm. for people to let go. Like it's almost like they want to go and say, Oh, you know, when you're a kid and, and you get scraped or something and you're like, well, I got scraped yesterday and it's way bigger, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of times we do that. <laughs> I know that's dumb, but I don't know. I think. Yeah, I know what you said. Yeah. You ever yeah, wonder why? It reminds me a little bit. No, I'm taking this one. You ever... <laughs> yeah, take it, take it. <laughs> you ever wonder why, though, people have the type of fear that they have? Like there are certain situations I, mean, I see Jesus in, and I'm like, hmm. "You weren't afraid at all. Like, why not? <laughs> you know, you exhibit some very um, Negro-like it, tendencies. Yeah, so yeah. I think we should have been afraid in this situation, and you weren't. Who walks across water <laughs> at night towards a boat in the middle of a sea? Uh, yeah, in a storm. Yeah, I would be." I would be afraid. Do you understand? I just stacked like three or four, at least four, four or five different things that most people would be like, yeah, I'm straight, Lord. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stay right here no. on the shore and we're, we're going to be good. You know, I'm like, yeah. so Jesus, how did you get in these situations yeah. and you weren't afraid? The danger aspect is there. How is it you're not afraid? Like, what is fear really? I think that um, I heard the Will worst Smith. one is the unknown. Yeah, the unknown, yeah. I think. I, I heard Will yeah. Smith say one time, he said, you know, th there's a difference between danger and fear. Like, danger is a reality of things that can't happen, but fear is really what you imagine, what you conjure up. And so I can't mm -hmm. see Jesus using his imagination mm -hmm. separate from reality. And his reality was much bigger than ours. His reality is I know who I am based on who what my father's told me. And so because of that, it influences or informs my perception of the other things that are, that are going on. And I'm all like, yeah, that sounds good, Lord. I'm still wigging out because we're still walking on water. And there's, I don't even know, what was that, like a giant fish? Was and that a Jonah some fish? sharks. Exactly. Yeah. It was like a Jonah fish that just yeah. came up underneath me. Mm -mm -mm. I'm not quite sure uh, to that level where I am with God. I, yeah. I don't know. And I think that part of the, 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 the beauty of the walk that we get put through in this life is to actually develop that level of confidence. 
like not the avoidance of danger or the avoidance of, of, of evil because evil is real, but the awareness that while evil is real, so is, is Yahweh. So is our father. So is his love. So is his protection and not just protection as far as avoidance of physical maladies or problems that can happen, but spiritual protection. And I don't think here that, that in, in modern times we have, excuse me, a fair enough appreciation of that reality. Like the things that Jesus really protects us from somehow the crash of a, of a stock market just doesn't seem as bad as transdimensional entities invading your reality and saying, what's up? You know, I was yeah, worried I about yeah. how would I pay the bills <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I I can't see Jesus on the stock exchange sitting there going bye 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 <laughs> <laughs> sell sell souls sell sell <laughs> right in his little suit <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know but that reality would totally change the perspective you know what we were afraid of yesterday uh, doesn't really seem like something to be concerned about when you have this larger reality I think in dealing with end times uh, content. Yeah, it's good to understand the danger. It's good to understand the reality and the severity of the situation. But I think it is very problematic to view it without viewing it through the lens of the Bible because you get an offsetting balance. While these things are going to happen, while these things are prophesied to occur, while we may even be in the midst of fulfillment of certain prophecies, we're also in the midst of God's story. We're also in the midst of his divine love. We're also in the midst of him actually working through the affairs of humanity to redeem back humanity so that humanity can, can, can re um, that was going to be redundant. So humanity can take up its original purpose and actually fulfill its destiny. Like there's a lot of things going on. And I think that, you know, to your point, Drew, if it's not viewed in balance, then you do get a lopsided view that's probably more fear-based than anything. And I think the best way to counteract that is to view it through the lens of scripture, which puts love first so that everything is viewed through the love that Yahweh has for us. And also the love that we should have for him, which should help produce a sense of security that allows us not to be um, upended as we look at these varying things that the enemy of our soul is trying to, to commit against humanity. Well, if Noah stopped every time, I, I mean, like, have. can you even imagine? Yeah, if, if the, I mean, I'm sure they heckled him. I'm sure people were asking him questions. He also had full knowledge of what was coming. Like, I can't even imagine the level of high anxiety and like the deadline of this and everything. Wait, wait, Heidi, if you he think stopped, he knew? Yeah. Like, do you think yeah, he, think knew? he knew? Well, yeah. I mean, if God was like, yo, build a boat, it's going to rain. Pause, bro. What is rain? Yep. Because at this point, I think everything he was comes like, up from the ground, right? It, the, there was no such he's thing big as big enough. He's like big enough for all the animals. He knew something big was coming. Yeah, but he you knew. don't know what. Was, you know something big's coming, but you really uh, have to trust God. Right? But the anxiety level. Yeah. yeah, yeah and so he just had to walk. Like you're saying, he just had to put it on the shelf and be like, I got to just do this. So you know, and I, I don't know. That's a lot. No, Christopher and I went to this place uh, in, in Kentucky <clears throat> called the Ark Encounter. Is it right? Is it the Encounter Experience? Christopher? 
I think it's the encounter. I think because so we too. called it the experience, and I think even the episode we recorded, we called it the experience. Yeah. So the arc encounter. Wrong. And they they apparently <laughs> tried to do a full one to one scale mock up of what the arc was like, and uh, we're walking through it, and I'm sitting here cracking up, and Christopher's like, "What's the problem?" I was like, "I'm really <laughs> trying to imagine Noah right now," and I think, I think he wasn't black. And Christopher goes, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> And I'm like, it's a lot of water. There's a lot of creaking going on. And you got to walk this boat. I was like, and there's no land anywhere else. Like, I understand, like, we're going to go two weeks and we will make land. No, we're just floating. There's no land anywhere. That's a very scary disposition. You know, like, can you imagine being Mm -hmm. on the third deck of the boat and you're walking, you hear a bump and you're like, what was that? It's a body outside. So, you know, they didn't make the they didn't make land call. That's all. Like, there's a body. The lion. The, the lion got out. The exactly. lion got out again. Somebody go get, get Simba. He's out. I just. Oh my goodness. The things he had to deal with. You know, the level. I, well, I you don't do. Know. You, you gotta do have know. a lot of trust. They said Noah was white as snow because their parents were like, "What happened to this one?" Yeah, that's <laughs> no, true. Was just, was straight scared. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and uh, yeah, he he was white, like, and had hair like white wool. That's his parents were tripped out. They were like, "Did we have a fallen angel?" <laughs> this, we had an like, child. I don't know what to do with him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I say, might be an albino. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, yep. you, you talk about yeah. a level of trust. <laughs> that's a high degree of trust because he spent three hundred seventy-one days out there, like yeah, three that's... hours. I would have been. I, I've lost my mind. Right, I don't even yeah. know what the boat yeah. feels like when it starts to get off land and start floating. You don't have an engine, you don't have a rudder. You're just you're out to sea. They would have been. I like take first. it you don't go on a cruise here and there, do you? I, I cruise on roadways. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I cruise on the on the steering wheel. That's the extent. Mm-mm. There would have right, been a lot yeah. of there would have been a lot of firsts on that boat. The first boat oh. sickness. The first putting mm-hmm. your head over the side, right. making burly. <laughs> right so bad i mean there's a whole I bunch of stuff you have to work through um i think that that's, that's we'll wrap this topic up but i think the main core <laughs> that we got to out of all of this is it's really good to be aware of the prof- the prophecy and the prophetic nature of end times and knowing what's what's coming looking at the end results not necessarily the intervening years in between that are going to be full of turmoil and pain and suffering, looking at the end result, being alert but not alarmed of possible signs, recognise them as one thing, but being anxious and losing sleep over it's another thing altogether. That's living in fear. Don't fear. You know, with God's children, we've told, been told not to fear because he will always be there to protect us and look, care for us. So I think that's that's it, we, especially in with the current conflicts that's going on. Emotions are high. People have a lot of skin in the game. They've got loved ones overseas. They may be of a certain ethnic group or demographic or religion. And I think it's just a very divisive time that's deliberately spoking in the fires of division, hatred amongst our fellow man. And as Christians, I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure it's about recognising and caring for man and having that humanitarian side of things above anything else. All right. So let's change gears. Heidi, yeah, this is um, one you suggested to me. Oh, sorry, Stella, go for it. <laughs> Just dead. Oh, okay. 
Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say that one last thing with, um, you know, um, Jason was talking about how much faith it would take to build an ark and et cetera. And, and I always try to, like, I always open my prayers with just thanking, like imagining Jesus on the cross and thanking him for his sacrifice and having that much faith. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine how much faith that would take? Um, mm. So, and then I think possibly in the end times, um, that sort of level of faith is going to be required from us. So, um, I'm just sort of seeing it as a, this is the third level of faith almost, and it's going to be up to us. We have the Holy Spirit. So, we should be able to make it. Yeah. Thank you for letting me say that. <laughs> no worries. All right. Uh, Project Bluebeam was our next topic. Heidi, this one's suggested by you. Yeah. For the listeners out there who don't know, those playing at home, Project Blue Bream is a conspiracy theory about the supposed project whose purpose is to create an artificial second coming in order to control people. As per the alleged theory, the New World's Order purpose is, one, to abolish all Christian and traditional religions in order to replace them with a one-world religion based on the cult of man, two, to abolish all national identities and national pride in order to establish a worldwide identity and a world of pride. Now, since this was your suggestion, Heidi, you seem pretty excited about yes. this topic. Would you like to start <laughs> off with your thoughts on this? Sure. Um, I definitely feel like this could be a key component. And I don't know if you guys know about the guy that that brought this kind of about. It was uh, last name. I think it was Mon- Monast. And he wrote... A book. He was like an author in the 80s and 90s. So in 94, he wrote a book about this, about Project Bluebeam. And then the government went wild looking for him. And so after that, he was hiding out all this stuff. And eventually they found him. And not only did they find him, but they took his kids away and said they needed to be for homeschooling, just for homeschooling. And they took him to jail. And then like within 24 hours, they were like, mm, and we, even though they've been looking for him for like a year, they were like, ah, he's good. He can go. And then he has a Kubrick heart attack conveniently the next day and dies at 51. And so I definitely think that there's a lot in here that, that he, people didn't, they didn't expect somebody to put this out there. And it it was one of those things like, like Kubrick where they had to get rid of that quickly um he kind of just exposed it for what it was that they were gonna try and do these things and try and like you outlined uh and he wasn't sure how now with the ushering in of all the holograms that we see the ai that we see the things that we're seeing i can totally see it like he must have had some insider knowledge on on some of the you know advances that were coming with with all this because I mean, now we see how easy that would be. And it's literally supposed to be like speaking into your mind. It's not just seeing. It's supposed to be like, if you believe in God, you'll see God or Jesus or whatever. And it will be speaking into your mind through telephonic waves. And so, especially now with the telephones that we have and all that, it, it, it completely makes sense to me. I can, the, uh, I can see. The military application is called voice-to-skull technology. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a little little story I'll just quickly break down for you to let you know that it has been in the works for quite a long time. Um, during Desert Storm in 1991, the U.S. Air Force had a very imaginative plan to use holograms combined with voice-to-skull technology to depict Allah in the sky above Baghdad 
and the hologram would then tell the Republican Guard to overthrow the Saddam regime. Now, if that technology was being developed or possibly wanting to be rolled out for a a small-scale war, what's really floating around, what could be used at a larger scale? And I think to what you're talking about, Heidi, is that the idea is to have all the deities of the world, all the religions, all presented in the sky above us. We all hear the voices of our perspective God, so we feel like we're at ease. And then all these deities merge together into one entity into the in, in the heavens, essentially, and we're presented with a new world God. And mm-hmm. who would that God be based off our understanding? It's not going to be our God, that's for sure. It's going to no. be someone else who supposedly the world would love. And if all the religions have come together, that's a lot of love for one entity or person. Well, and I feel that's why there's so much focus on demolishing America, like how you said that the pride of one country can't exceed over another. Well, Americans have always been America, you know, really into pride, really into that, (laughs) not pride (laughs) about their pride of this country. And so they're literally destroying it from the inside. Yep. Yep. They are trying to make sure that that is not instilled in our children, not instilled in the future easily removable and and we i mean those of us that are older i mean we're completely baffled about it but then they know that america would be that trump card on it trump aha uh-huh. trump card on it because mm-hmm. they don't just roll over americans don't they're like no you're not going to do that no um they're well known to be you know obstinate that way so i feel like that has been a focus huge for this to kind of be ushered in so i don't know it's it's apparently um messy i'm sorry Heidi, i thought you finished no i was yeah uh, I just apparently said the uh, voice <laughs> <laughs> um the voice to skull technology um is going to be accompanied with microchips inside devices and i was just having a chat this morning on another podcast i was doing um we were talking about how it seems that we are being more and more forced to upgrade, 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 update. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm one who digs my heels in severely. I I only update when I absolutely have wrung everything dry and I cannot operate anymore. And I've only done it a couple of times in my life, um, in major like operating systems, etc., uh, phones. So uh, that's sort of how they're. I. I my advice would be don't be so quick to update all the time. You really, it's not that necessary. That's also based on convenience and stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, I do wonder, even though we are all um, aware and sort of, you know, aware to what's going on and what to look out for, et cetera, if it's in a more technological sort of deliverance to us, um, are we going to be able to resist it? Uh, without actually just completely getting rid of all devices, etc. I mean, I'm just wondering where we're going to land in that. Jason, won't be. Versus well, Jason wants his Wi-Fi enabled mm. slippers that warm you're, the feet. You're not putting the Neuralink <laughs> in your brain, Jason. I Come on now. I just updated Zoom so we could talk. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I got four waiting in the pipeline. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, 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 it's wild, though, because, you know, growing up, I was a technology and still am, uh, you know, technology freak love it the more screens you can give me the better the more gadgets i i, I dig it mm. then mm. i start finding out more of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and i'm it like it's fun <laughs> look this isn't fair you got me addicted to technology now you tell me it's bad 
And it's going to take technology to get me off of the drug of technology. I feel like I'm in a no-win situation here. But, Heidi, to your point, I, this is what I find interesting. I think Drew, Drew was saying this a moment ago. Project Blue, 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 Project Blue being seems to be a conspiracy theory, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that people don't normally write books on theories, you know, that's a lot yeah. of information to conjure up for a just a quick conspiracy theory. You know, when you're getting your tinfoil hat and you get it tight to your head to get that custom fit, it doesn't really allow for proper sitting down and writing <laughs> books out. So, you know, where do you get all the information from? No. For, from this fabricated well, idea. Why did the government want to snatch that's them up? The thing. For yeah. such a fabricated yep, he idea. Knew. Right? Why did, you I think he, he must have known something. <laughs> One, not even not even 24 hours after he got out of jail and i want to clarify this and this is not a conspiracy theory my uncle is a highly decorated green beret special forces they can heart attack if they want to <laughs> not that difficult. that's a thing yeah, yeah it it's, is it's not, not that difficult yep so but i'm looking at yep. all of this i think it falls can... into the thing that you were saying a moment ago where um yeah, had satan known what he was doing you know, it's kind of those things where you, you overplay your hand. Like, if this was false, why'd you go through so much effort to go get the guy? What are you looking for the guy for? Because he came up with a theory. I mean, I got yeah. a theory that the sky is And then is let him pink. go. Yeah. Nobody's hunting <laughs> me down for my pink sky theory. Yeah. Now, I got a different and, theory. Than and they usually it, ignore it. Yeah. They, exactly. Yeah. But some of my other theories, mm -mm. yeah, we, we got to find him through his technological updates and see where his location is. And see if we can uh, yep. reappropriate him. Put him through one of these re-education yes. camps. I think it's amazing how these things that get labeled as conspiratorial um, have so much supporting information behind them. Right? So much mm -hmm. government activity that's been going on behind them that you're like, there's no way that this is just accidental. It's too easy to put it under if, a label if, and dismiss yeah. it. Well, they even say that they let people go all the time that uh, like uh, if you listen to the Philadelphia Project or any of that kind of stuff, they say, well, why did you let some of these people go into the society and talk about this after the fact? And they say, because it sounds crazy. Yeah, so, so let them. People dismiss it. Right. Yeah. And so why do that to him? I'm with you. There was something up like he was he had something good on that and and they made sure it's just like kubrick they made sure it's just like uh carrie mollis that was a convenient heart attack too like all these players that are deep mm. in it and they can call me tinfoil all day long i'll wear it i wore one for halloween that's what i was i don't care you know that's <laughs> stupid if you really think that they can't do that as a nurse i know they can do that well, then how will it, we it explain Neuralink? a genius yeah and that yeah yeah I mean, we're, exactly. they're, they're pushing the technology out there right now. <laughs> I mean, I was cool with being able to change my TV by blinking. That sounded nice. <laughs> what I wasn't up for is somebody change every three seconds. It would, <laughs> right? but that's okay. I could get my updates and my scores. <laughs> Blink. Ah, there we go. He's like, welcome to your schizophrenia. Right. Yeah. What I wouldn't I expect mean, is when what? I blink too many times and the channel goes by, I'm like, on it. I got to control my blinks. <laughs> But yeah, they're pushing this type of technology well, out. Yeah. If we um, go ahead. You go for it, Stella. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this delay is really. It's okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was talking 
talking about the heart attacks um, remote. If we go back to the Frank Church investigation of, I believe it was 73, 74, um, where the CIA basically didn't really want to talk in public about the heart attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they brought it out and showed it, but then there was a little bit further prodding and they're like, no, nah, we're going to go and talk behind closed doors, thanks. And so we yeah. never really fully found out what that was. But that that to me was like, again, revelation of the method sort of thing. And that was, you know, mm-hmm. using a, a physical like heart attack gun. Um, now mm-hmm. it's only near that if, it, again, going back to my patient list because I am very interested in all these technologies. And um, we've been talking about this a little bit on other podcasts too, all the patents that um, blatantly talk about um, frequency you know, different frequencies, what they can do using um, a couple of frequencies together so they can get down to really, really low frequencies that the body can't actually hear. But it can, like for instance, they, um, if they generate a 16,000K frequency and then they generate a 16,007K frequency, say, the body, the 16,000s will cancel each other out and then the body will only receive a 7K so that's how they get right down to the lower because, you know, like the theta sort of range in the body is between four and seven. Okay, it's very, very low. Um, so this is how they're going to be doing a lot of the manipulations and um, getting into our brains with ventriloquist effect and voice to God and all that stuff. Yep. It's all through acoustics. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that people, they kind of see this as just a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theory because people say Project Blue Beam, they go, oh, yeah, holograms in the sky. That's totally going to work. Well, it's just not holograms. It's all the other bits of technology that go along with it. I don't know if anyone saw this recently, but mm-hmm. I believe it was in Dubai. They had a drone light show where it made a giant skeleton walking through the city. I saw that. Yeah, that's that's very rudimentary technology mm-hmm. to what they can do. What happens if it's like a, a Spider-Man Far From Home situation where they actually project something around them? Like we've seen real-life holograms that are made using water vapour and it projects the light onto the water. Again, that's very rudimentary technology. So what could be within the military-industrial complex that could be used to deceive us? And that's the biggest thing. It's going to be used to deceive humanity to bring around a new world order. I think this theory lost a lot of credibility when it moved away from the religious side of all the spiritual war in this and the war for mankind, and it moved into the UFO community. The UFO community really fixated on this as being the fake alien invasion, which it very well could be, but that community in itself loses a lot of credit because when you think about conspiracy theorists, you instantly go to the UFO and alien abductees. It was almost as if it was pushed into that community to discredit the message that had been outed by this gentleman who eventually lost mm-hmm. his life for doing so. And mm-hmm. up until recently, within, say, the past 10 years or so, it hasn't come back into the conversation of the spiritual war until now. So that should say a lot. It's been deflected and... Even now, murky. I think, yeah. Even now, I think a lot of people dismiss it. I, I, if you talk to even people in our realm, a lot of times they're like, okay... You know, it it's not it's not a hundred, but yet we've got Elon Musk putting tons of satellites up there to do exactly what? Because their little backstory is I'm not on it. And then on top of it, the Neuralink, and then on top of it, all this other stuff. And anything they show us is 20 years behind whatever they got going on. Let's be real. Right. They're so not the, gonna show us least. their yesterday exactly. you know exactly so the idea of having <laughs> yeah. technology that's skull you know skull to voice capacity seems outlandish but they have no problem with the idea of having chips in my hand 
you know, being microchipped mm-hmm. or the idea that we can have Bluetooth that's constantly part <laughs> or of us. smart dust. Exactly. Yeah, like this dust. stuff is, is exactly. for real. Now, maybe the, the, yep. the rationale for what it's being used for might seem a little far-fetched to people. But I'm like, if that's far-fetched, okay, we could talk about that. How do you deny the existence of the technology? And what do you do with the stated intentions that people who are coming up with this technology have, have actually gone on record saying what they want to do? What do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to bury your, your head in the sand. Um, it's much like harder to, to do I'd the like research. To, um... Yeah, you go for it, Stella. I'm sorry. Um, I'd like to yeah address that, actually. Um, I feel that often they are sh- showing us these material kind of things that we can, you know, see and, you know, observe, see a description of it, someone can hold it, whatever. I feel that they are often showing us these things, but they're not really what they're using. That might be perhaps old technology that they're showing us or what have you, but it's like our eyes are over here, but in the meantime, they're actually doing it um, with much more advanced technology. So it's like it's already happening, but they're showing us that it's something new. And I think it's already been happening for a long time, like by the time they show us. So, yeah, I just feel that it's sometimes this technology, even though we're going, oh, wow, look at what they can do now. It's just, um, what's the word? It's like just a diversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd agree, diversion. Stella. I'd agree. And I also feel that um, these latest, sorry. Sorry, you go for it. Yeah, okay. Um I also feel that these latest um, auroras that have been visible a few months ago, and there's another lot coming up now in the Northern Hemisphere, I believe, I feel they might be Project Bluebeam because even though everyone's talking about this magnetic thing, field switch thing that's happening, that could also be, you know, possibly a diversion as well. I just wonder if they're practising Project Bluebeam by all these colours that are never normally able to be seen from so many places in the world it's you've got to be right you know right down south to see the aurora australis for instance usually but yet it was visible right up until like about perth or something a few months ago about march i think it was so i just wondered you know maybe it's natural maybe it's not but are they practicing on us well on the idea of practicing stella um i i will admit i was very much within the alien ufo camp for a very long time in my conspiracy career um, I've definitely changed my view on what that is now. But when I go back and I look at, say, the documentaries I've got or I look at the photos and it's particularly the videos of UFO craft that have been captured in, say, the early 90s or late 80s, they say, look at the, the way that this moves, the colour changes, the way it, the, bo- the orbs intersect with each other and move apart. You put that right next to what modern-day drones can do that are commercially available. You can do that with regular technology a civilian can have. So if they were testing that level of technology back in the early 90s, late 80s, what are we seeing now that's something that they're actually testing for the next 10, 15 years? And I think that's where maybe that Aurora stuff comes into it. Look at the stealth. Look at the stealth and how long they hit it. My uncle was on that whole thing and he knew about Mm. it way before. So when people started talking about it, he kind of low-key told my mom, like, don't. She was tripping out. And he was like... (laughs) Don't worry about it. It's the government. And he didn't want to explain everything, but he was like, trust trust me. <laughs> like, he was out there. So, I mean, some things we get to know, but like, he's retired now, but a lot of times he'll still catch it because he was in for so long. He retired, you know? But, I mean, stuff like that, it was freaking people out, and they were definitely thinking, oh, UFO or whatever, and then 
come to find out later, oh, it was, they were testing the stealth, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it still mm-hmm. is possible that it's something, yes, normal people couldn't explain, but it, I mean, wh- what do you equate it to when you have no idea what that is until you see it? So, And this is I what mean. does worry me about the UFO craft that gets seen, right? Now, for us, we would assume that that might be, say, fallen angel technology, technology that's been developed through communicating with entities not from this dimension, demonic entities, for a lack of a better term. When you have ships that are supposedly the size of three football fields flying over in a major American city, um, and multiple people in the city saw it and it blocked out the stars, that is a massive, massive piece of technology. I think even today, if that was rolled out in a blue beam scenario with the holograms and the physical ships and the voice-to-skull technology... I think that's enough to make even the most knowledgeable and aware person fearful. And I think that's the the deceit behind this is even the most adept and most knowledgeable people will be deceived. Yeah. I agree. I'm curious. um, Do any of you know why some of their operations are called projects and some of them are called operations? We have Operation Paperclip, but this is Project Bluebeam. Is there any specific reason why they designate them this way do you know i think a project is long term and it's something that's in development whereas an operation is in the moment okay okay because i didn't know all of the details of project Bluebeam. i actually had to go in and, and kind of brush up on on it and it, i couldn't help but um kind of connect it to the report from iron mountain we have an episode coming out next month, which I'm really excited about. But have you heard of the report from Iron Mountain? No, no. Educate me. Okay. I've, I've so heard it's, of it's it. really interesting. Yes. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so, Jason. I should certainly hope so. <laughs> so, no, it's it's very similar to, to, to this kind of story. So there's a, a guy named uh, Leonard Lewin, and he wrote in 1967 a book called The Report from Iron Mountain on the Desirability and Possibility of Peace. And apparently uh, this information had been leaked to him from uh, a government contact. It was a 15-person secret study group who had been given um, monies and access to do a lot of research to see if if there was ever going to be a a continual peacetime, how would – governments maintain control because if there's not a need for a government and everyone is is living peaceably you know how would you do that so he left it go until i think 1972 and let everyone believe that it was legitimate which which i kind of think it was and then randomly uh after reading the pentagon papers that showed that um uh, what was it, FDR and his administration lied to Congress and all that. Well, he came out and just said it so nonchalant that his book, which was the only book he ever wrote, was a parody, and it wasn't true at all. But it goes into so much detail about how the government benefits from war, whether it be economically, socially, morally, and, and then goes into all of these options if we were going to go into a peacetime how would we then compensate for this this major um what 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 they actually say is the foundation of all uh civilization today which is war which is really they would have a in of itself. plandemic <laughs> they would have a that, plandemic that and put them. everyone in their home yes christopher sorry what's the name <laughs> they, of this book 
It is the report from Iron Mountain. And, if I may, um, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll only be a sec. Um, Monica Perez has a really good report on this too. And Monica's deep dives, if anyone's interested in listening to that, I think it's a two part. She's, um, she unwraps it really well, but I'm looking forward to hearing your episode as well. <laughs> sorry. Monica Perez. You said, Oh, thank you. Uh, she, she, she was part of the propaganda report and, uh, she's now Monica, Monica's deep dives, Monica Perez. Yeah. She's very comprehensive. So I do recommend it, but, Oh, so I said, I'm looking forward awesome. to yours as well. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely check this one out. But it's interesting because in the book, they, they give all of these options, whether it be pandemics, whether it be um, the the environment is going to kill us. Like they go through a bunch of different options. But mm-hmm. one of the key things that they express in the book is that in order for these things to be um, – used to their full potential, they have to be tested in complex environments. And it kind of goes back to what we had mentioned earlier in this episode, is that, you know, if Satan knew what he was doing, he would have never sacrificed the son of glory. And there's several places in the Bible that the angels don't have full knowledge of how everything's going to work and how it's going to play out. So the report from Iron Mountain highlights the fact they excuse me, they, they have to test these things in order to make sure that they work. And, you know, so Project Bluebeam, these projects seem to be testing grounds. And, and they're all moving towards a particular end. But maybe mm-hmm. Project Bluebeam isn't going to be the end-all be-all. But it doesn't mean that it's not real. It doesn't mean that they're not instituting aspects of this because they have to test it in a complex environment to make sure what they actually roll out is going to be foolproof. Mm. That's fascinating. And they'll have a a backup plan for sure, too. Like, I do believe it's fallen angel technology. I do, 100%. And I feel like some of that is really going to be played in like at a later date with the whole incorporation of all that. But if you have this technology that's completely over your head that you didn't get from a person, of course you'd have to practice it. That makes complete sense. Cause how would you know? Right. They've never done it before. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you. Especially if is probably what 2020 was, was the practice. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially if you've got, exactly. if you've got craft that can fly 10 times the speed of our if fastest fighter jets, you would need to learn how to fly that without the pilot being smushed on the inside, right? No. Mm-hmm. Will Smith did it in like five minutes without the oops. <laughs> All you need is without the oops and you got, you got a little, little, you know, a little sticky note. If you flip it upside down, you're good. All you got to do is turn it upside that's down. It. You're good. So, yeah, that's right. So wait a minute. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is the answer to all of this. We just have to upload a virus and what it is. Yes, without the oops. Yep, there you go. I don't want the yes, yes, We got to bring oops. the dinosaurs too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, um, do, you remember, do you remember back in 1983 when Werner von Braun was on his deathbed? He made that confession that... Um, yeah, the end would sort of be brought about by, well, the ultimate control would be brought about by terrorism, pandemics, and a fake alien invasion. So if you can believe him, who used to be, you know, Nazi, well, was always a Nazi, I think. Once a Nazi, always a Nazi. Um, yeah. yeah, that was, so whether that's a setup to create more fear or not, who knows? 
But- yeah, um, before the alien invasion, he said mm. that it would be um, impacts from interstellar objects. And what have we seen in the media over the past couple of days is that there was a meteor seen all around the globe, supposedly cutting across our sky. And we arguably, we keep getting all these um, these news stories about a asteroid that was a near miss with Earth and it was 25 school buses wide or it was 265 bandicoots. Mm. They give it these really weird, <laughs> silly analogies. It's almost like they're priming us <laughs> for another um, Kunguska event where they might just hit a city with something. And that would in itself be a fear. And that would give them the ability to go, oh, we have to weaponize space. Mm have to have Operation Star Wars in effect where we can shoot down rocks out of the sky. <laughs> Operation and, and those And those same satellites would be used against us and the whole idea of a Project Blue mm-hmm. Yep. I think so. I think they're going to keep us safe, don't they? They do. <laughs> Reagan, yeah. Operation Star Wars. What a guy. Why would an actor just say, let's name it after another famous movie? That's class all this the way. This is an Good American president. One <laughs> of America. the greatest. <laughs> you mean an actor. <laughs> he read his cowboy? teleprompter amazingly. He <laughs> really did. I thought he was one of the best. Only but once. he was a G. He was a G when he got shot at because he was. He, they filmed him right after and he was like, they missed. Right. And I was I like, was that like, was a great yeah, ad lib. I'm going to give you that. What? That was a yeah. great ad lib. <laughs> There's only one speech where I've seen him turn to the side and go, line. <laughs> <laughs> I need the cue cards, please. Uh, That's funny. So, G, I'm telling you. Flowing on from this, we've kind of touched on it with Neuralink and other types of things like um, artificial intelligence and special like magic dust that's essentially just AI controlled nanotechnology. This kind of brings us into the transhumanist agenda and the next topic. So I'm going to paint a little picture for everyone and the listeners. Imagine if you will, a future, a future free of disease, illness, and genetic flaws, a world in which humanity has not only met its physical and biological potential, but has been improved through technological integration an integration that brings humanity conveniences, allowing for extra downtime and relaxation. Now, on its face, this doesn't sound like a terrible thing. Sounds like a good thing. We can blink and change our channel, like Jason said. We have less work. We have more time for hobbies, things that make us feel good and uh, improve sense of well of health and well-being. This sounds like a utopia that we see in multiple stories in science fiction. Unfortunately, we do know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that even the most noble and well-intended advances in science and technology can actually be weaponized. So what does it mean going forward with the transhumanist agenda? What are our own personal thoughts about what's going to come out of this? Who would like to start? You know, the first time I ever heard the idea of transhumanism, I had no idea what it was. I think I was listening to Tom Horn give a talk uh, about this concept. And he must have talked for like, an, I don't know two, three hours. And I was hooked. I was like, there's no way this is a real thing. Like, I, I thought it was like some sort of sexual issue. You know, like you, you caught <laughs> transhumanism. You got to get some creams and sobs. I'm like, mm, I don't know who, who they were with, but that sounds like a problem. Um, but the way Tom Horn like unfolded it was so fascinating. Right. Because this whole idea that you can be post-human, 
that you can go beyond what it means to be human and in some way or in multiple ways improve your humanity. You know, open up yourself to different modalities of experience, combine all of these different sensory perceptions and means of awareness in order to have like the ultimate human experience. The technological part of me was like, yo, this would be great. I am on board. This is like Avengers on steroids. The, the, the Christian part of me was like, slow your roll chief. Have you considered all of these ramifications? And I was like, what ramifications? There can't be any, this is, this is heaven on earth. I'm not even sure if God can improve on this. This would be dope. And then he goes through and he starts actually outlining problems, <laughs> like very real problems. Like what happens when your DNA is altered to a point that you're no longer human? What happens when the, your, your phenotype is altered and you have to have the, what does the guy in Jurassic Park say? There, there, there are characteristics that have to, um, that mirror those phenotype adjustments that you haven't necessarily planned for, right? If you become part wolf, how much of your DNA is like really wolf and how much of your, your uh, personality becomes wolf. Like how, what happens when you start actually portraying and demonstrating or manifesting canine behaviors? I'm like canine behaviors. Like what happens? If you start sniffing the butt of the person in front of you. You're just like, I'm just trying to get to know you. <laughs> You know, but if that's it gets, how you caught transhumanism, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's how you catch that's it. How, that's why they said six feet during the pandemic. <laughs> Can't sniff when you cut me further than six feet. No sniffing. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And wear the mask. But it, it's really started to, that's funny. It really started to blow <laughs> my mind when I started to see in, in, in media, how much conditioning there was for transhumanist ideas. You know, the fact that you could blend technology uh, with humanity to such a degree that it would improve. I was like, man, this is Iron Man. This is Iron Man. This is Captain America. This is RoboCop. You know, this is so many different things that we've constantly been conditioned. Ninja Turtles. You know, you can switch life forms, all sorts of stuff. This mm. is transcendence. I just got done watching a movie by Johnny Depp called Transcendence, where it's his, his whole conscious was uploaded to a computer. And I was like, I just thought it was kind of a cool movie. Once I got through Tom Horn's <laughs> presentation, I was like, that was transhumanist propaganda. Revelation of the method. I was like, I had no <laughs> idea. You know, I was watching, what is it, Altered Carbon? Same idea. Same idea. Right? And he starts peeling back the spiritual ramifications of this. And I was like, I'm a moron. So I was signing up for the update at the very beginning. I had no idea of the implications of what could happen to my DNA, what could happen to my humanity, and then get to the spiritual nature of this and the fact that you could almost, um, you could abort the the salvation process by rejecting your humanity or rejecting the offer of salvation that's only offered to human beings. I was like, now nah, I didn't see any of that coming. And that's what I think the danger yep. is with this. It's an offer of convenience and improvement that carries with it the very real possibility of being um, not being qualified for salvation. I think the way in which it's presented too, they, it's presented in a very palatable way in the most part. Like you see through science fiction of, say, Star Trek Next Generation, Geordie LaForge. 
He can't see. He has a little visor that helps him see, right? Integrated technology. Yeah, cool. He's got sight again. Um, you look at the way in which science is trying to promote CRISPR gene editing. Well, we could wipe out disease. We can get rid of spina bifida. We could make people who are predispositioned to, to certain cancers. We could take that out of their DNA and we can make sure that people have long, fulfilling lives. These are really great sounding things. And on its face, like I said at the start of this, they are great things that, that you could improve, air quotes, the well-being and livelihood of humans. But it's the dangerous side effect of that. And we see that in science fiction again. Gattaca is a big exactly. film about that. It creates a two-class system where there's the ubermensch, the super people, who are genetically engineered to be perfect in all forms, and there's people who are god children, people who are born the natural old-fashioned way, and they're the cleaners. They're cleaning toilets, they're picking up rubbish in the streets, or they're just unemployed. So like all things, it has the uh, equal positive and equal negative reaction. Uh, I think the negative reaction in this, what we've seen through science fiction, that revelation of the method, is far scarier than and it outweighs the positives that I think it could deliver. But Drew, here's the problem well, I and see. Then they Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Here's the oh, problem I see. The, the, well, the, then they. You said oh, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we both did, but it's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I've been really looking into this about cloning because you know how we said about how they only give us old technology. Okay. So I've been looking into some different things because I've got an episode going to, well, it'll probably have to be a series. It turned into a whole nightmare about the orphan trains and the incubator babies. And then I really went down a rabbit hole and I ended up on Clonade, you know, Clonade. And they have this video. From the 80s, it isn't. to support clones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so actually it is kind of that, exactly what you said, but it's a real company. And they claim that they made the first female baby that was cloned in 2002. And this has been out there forever. And then they turned around. This is like on CNN. This is on 60 Minutes. This is on like major platforms. And again, in 2021, it pops up acting like they didn't do that. And of course, guess what her name was? Anybody want to take a guess? Eve. 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 Yes, it was Eve. And so, and they're like, oh, I think that's such a great name. And I'm like, what the heck? So like you go into that <laughs> and then you see this on 60 Minutes in 2021 and they're playing like with that real real and it's like a whole spiritual weird thing. And he says, well, they said, aren't you afraid that you're playing God? And he said, there is no God. So we're playing smart human, his quote. And I'm yeah. like, this is terrifying to me on so many levels because they're and they have a lot of people like rappers, that uh, kid kid something that says he's a clone and all this stuff and kid i'm rock. like okay it's a kid boo kid boo he's oh, like okay. a rapper yeah so i don't know what's going on but i do know this they like said they had it then they said they didn't have it which means they definitely did it and they definitely did it way before they said they did it and then you get these kids on the orphan trains and the incubator babies Anybody want to guess how many that just popped up that were all white to populate America in the 19, like 1920s? Like, want to take a wild guess, anybody? I'm guessing it's a six million, would it? <laughs> a quarter million kids with no parents and nobody knows where they came from growing babies at the World's Fair to come and look at. 
And no, everybody was like, yeah, I'll pay a quarter for that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so weird because that I can't. And then let alone, they had an overpopulation of kids. They said they had all these orphans and all these orphanages. So why are they making anything to save more children when we already got too many kids? But especially they weren't adding any kids of color there. And then you want to put Nazis involved with it and add some Hitler and some Mengele and it goes crazy. Like I was shook. And that's just a tiny sliver of what what I know. And so I'm like, what if the DNA tests that got all popular later, later are to look for certain things in our DNA to your point of 100 percent sanity? Yes. I was, yeah. Um, yeah. Just before we get too far past what you talked about, about a name, um, I know this is, I'm going out right right out there now, okay? <laughs> um, talking about the CRISPR technology. <laughs> what a shock, says Drew. Um, the CRISPR technology, <laughs> the scientists uh, that have recently made, um, I think they have, un- they've, or oh, whatever it was, something to do with the gene, the Y gene. Anyway, in 2020, two scientists uh, received the Nobel Prize in chemistry because of their CRISPR technology breakthroughs. They're two names. Uh, they're two ladies. Uh, one of them is Emmanuel Charpetia, right? Mm-hmm. Now, first thing I always do is throw, in, throw it into an anagram thing. And, of course, I mean, that one's fairly obvious. I mean, Emmanuel, okay, that's another mm-hmm. name for God, right? A carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Okay, so I'm just pointing it out. The other lady, her name was uh, Jennifer Doudner, which I also put through an anagram solver. And uh, even though it wasn't right, like using all the letters, I think it was all of them but one. Um, So her last name comes up as unordained and the letters that were left over is Jifa, which is an officer with political influence, head chief in government. I just thought that was kind of interesting because I often wonder if these names are just put there as there's the name, but really it's a whole team of, you know, scientists or Chinese mm-hmm. people with working with, you know, Ukraine scientists or whatever with America in there. So I just, it's just like the Hendrik, Hendrikus G. Luce, uh, which is the holder of many of the patents that talk about this brain technology, et cetera, EMFs. So um, I just thought that was an interesting little thing because there is a lot in a name. Well, and yeah. I love how they turn around and say, oh, we did, uh, we made a wolf and we made Dolly the sheep and we made a dog and we can make your pet again, but we would never do a human. We don't have that. And I'm like, well, right. Yeah. Well, and there are people that believe that. <laughs> well, and they're happy seen, with that. Have you seen what just happened in China in 2019? Yes. There mm-hmm. are two girls, twins, born through CRISPR technology. Oh. Lulu with the AIDS, and Na- with the AIDS thing. Yeah, yeah, Luna and Nana. So oh, they, they're twins. They will have... An immu- they have an immune response to HIV and AIDS, so they're protected against mm-hmm. it. So that implies they're going to give these children AIDS to see if it works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of it, let's go back to Mangala and how obsessed he was with twins. Like there's some stuff that they learned mm. and that's why paperclip happened. That I know for a mm. fact. Like I don't, but I do. Like in my core of my being, I'm telling you all this ties together. It does. And so, so wait a all second, the cute wait a little postcards. They they had CRISPR babies that were born immune to HIV. 
Yes. But they oh, yeah. have African babies that seem to have HIV out the wazoo that need to get a shot. They, they probably made it that way. No correlation whatsoever. They probably no, did no, get no, a no. shot. Right? <laughs> Gave it to you. Yo, this is they are constantly trying to eliminate, and that's the thing on the orphan trains. They forbade any child of color, not just native, not black, none could be on that train to relocate these kids. And guess who started it? The Freemasons. Like, could you get it any better? Like, this sounds like I'm making up a happy tinfoil hat story, bedtime story here. <laughs> like, like, I mean, traditional American history. Yeah, and then when you go look up these postcards, because Revelation of the Method, right? These cute little postcards of Cabbage Patch babies that come out of cabbages. This is long before the doll. The woman in every photo, and I'll be doing a thing on this. This goes back to the occult now, is in a red dress every single time. Scarlet Whore of Babylon ushering in the New World Order, which had nothing to do with recent, because that was brought up in the 1500s by John D. because the angels told him to do it. And a one world religion because the angels told him to do it. This is all tied together. I promise you, I am the hugest research like dork ever on, especially John D. This is tied together. Heidi, I've got to throw a little bit at you for the Cabbage Patch thing. This ties, this ties back to the 12th century, the green children of Woolpit in England. Have you heard of them? Mm-mm. Two, twin, heard two twin children in rural English village kind of appeared out of nowhere. They couldn't speak English. They were speaking an unknown language and they had green skin. They tried wow. to feed them food. They couldn't stomach most of the food unless it was vegetables, cabbages. <laughs> the boy died mm. and the girl survived. Her skin tone over time changed to that of the rest of the world. And she eventually learned. Did she English. become white and delightsome? She became white and delight. And she eventually learned English and communicated. She comes from a place of perpetual darkness that is illuminated by plants. <laughs> well, probably Mother yeah. Guy is there. <laughs> well, I don't know what? if you just okay. saw her recently. Sorry. The twins of white. One more time. Will you just tell me the last part of that? The green children of wool pit. Like wool, wool is shaped pit? wool and pit. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm on I'm on a roll with that whole thing. Where was this happening at? In my Not brain. Harlem. <laughs> in, in in England. <laughs> in the twelfth century. Makes sense. I thought that was Germany for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> that definitely makes sense there. Now, if you'd have said they yeah, were eating greens, I'd have been with you. But cabbage, was, mm, nah, that's, that was, sounds like an England thing. <laughs> well, they said yeah, they I don't know if you saw just ritual darkness. So Sorry, maybe they left Harlem. Oh, oh. oh. Christopher, you're racist. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, my He's gosh. throwing it back at you because you were mad earlier. Oh, that's I can't believe up. it. <laughs> Sitting there quiet the whole time and coming with that. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. funny. <laughs> that's funny. Well, we talked about the Jews, um, and now we've gone to Harlem. I don't know what else we can do with this, Drew. You're definitely going to be excommunicated on all platforms forever. Hey, <laughs> uh, I'm already expecting a knock at the door any moment, so it doesn't really matter. Sorry, Stella, you were saying before Christopher was horribly racist. I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Drew. I appreciate it. Uh, I got you, brother. Um, <laughs> 
Did you see that what CRISP just did very recently where they uh, did a monkey, they created the monkey um, that had the green fingertips and the green eyes? Mm. And they and that's glow? Because they, yes, and that's because they insert... This is the gene editing and they inserted a certain protein in and the green and it also its brain was completely green as well. Or well, not completely, a lot of it was majorly. Um, and the reason that they make it glow green is they actually, I think they might use luciferous for this, but anyway, I don't really know. But um, that's right. it's just to show <laughs> where, yeah, to, so it's green to basically mark, then the, the scientists can look at where it is on the body that they have been like, they're sort of mapping it, I suppose. So now they know, okay, it comes out in the end of the fingertips. It comes out in the eyes and it came out in the brain. I mean, the monkey only lasted 10 days, apparently. Um, but you know, how many monkeys, how many dollies were there? How many, you know, <laughs> how many things are there? And uh, they, I mean, for 30 years, they've been doing xenotransplantation with um, heart valves from pigs. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing really that new, but, um, yeah, where they want, where they're going to take it, or where they have already taken it, the mind boggles. Maybe and so. I, had it right. Talking about those, talking about those green children. I'm just thinking. Right, were, did wow. they come out from underground from a lab, basically? Yeah, bioluminescence. Because I think I think underground is like, like much oh. more busy than above ground. Personally. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we're, we're so busy sure. looking up, we don't know what's going on beneath our feet. Maybe Kramer from Seinfeld was right. Maybe there is a pig man exactly. around. I'm telling you, the angels went under there. <laughs> Them angels are under the ground. That you cannot kill. Okay, so and th this will really tick God off, and so that's their like ultimate thing is to get Jesus to come back, right? And the last time that they started coming here with humans and making chimeras and weirdo stuff, then God came back. So I'm sure that's what they've been doing the whole time because that they know that's not going to work. Don't That's you find not it? Make... Don't you find mm. a bit ironic, Heidi, that the last time the DNA was manipulated with a flood took them out, and we've been told the next one would be fire. And what's the name of the technology? CRISPR. Those edited mm -hmm. beings are going to be very crisp afterwards. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Well, and I think it's hilarious that people don't put two and two together on the angel part because the chimeras, of course, and the things they created while they were here went with the flood. But angels are eternal. That's why God was so upset that they wanted to come here and make posterity with man because they don't need posterity because they're eternal. So, no, they're not all gone and just gone now. Like, they went somewhere. So, and we already know what team they're on. So, I mean, we we can figure all that out. You know, I think it's interesting, Drew, that, that the whole transhumanist um, offer is you can have a better life, right? And we can do all of these things, particularly medical cures. But then I can't see Monsanto allowing all of this type of medical cures to really happen when most of the stuff we want to cure you from is dietary related or chemical related. So mm -hmm. where's the real offer for the improvement? Again, it gets back to the Hegelian dialectic, that whole approach. You know, we've got a problem here that we've created. And then we've got a solution here that we won't tell you we've created. And if you take it, you'll be so much better off for the solution that we really want that we also have created. It's interesting. Or how maybe we just have to yeah, give your will over so that something can inhabit your body that they've already been priming for years. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because how we accurate won't know. the Bible is on all of this. 
you know, because scripture actually talks about the fact that there is a coming great deception that is going to be so dynamic and so large in scale that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. I'm like, how, how do you do that? That's wild mm-hmm. to, to at that scale, that level. I was talking to one of my friends uh, recently and I was like, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about Satan and we say that Satan lies, but I think we we mitigate the amount. Like maybe he tells one or two a day, you know, very judicious liar, (laughs) but not that he lies on top of lies that are embedded in a large (laughs) lie that makes up a universe of lies, like not interdynamic lying. We don't think in those terms. We're just looking for the one offs that see, I knew that was a lie, but we're not looking for how it plugs into like a matrix of lies. And if I think we made that shift, it would really force a person to start asking how many different things am I being lied to about? And it is possible. I could be being lied to about almost everything that would take things like project blue beam and place them in a totally different category. You know, it would take things like this transhumanist idea and place that in a different category. Take the stuff like the Israeli Palestinian conflict and place that in a different category. Am I being lied to? Because we're constantly looking for somewhere we can trust. We were told that we can trust the news pundits and we, we know that's not the case. We were told that we could trust politicians and people for some reason still believe that we were told you can trust theologians and you're starting to find out you can't, you know, we're constantly looking for a place of where we can trust. And unfortunately so much of the world has been conditioned to default to whatever you decide to trust. What we universally will tell you, you can't trust is scripture. You cannot trust that whatsoever. So find you another option and any other option opens you up for the okie doke. It opens you up to be deceived. It, it's wild how this whole system is constructed. And in the interim, there are all of these other options to help control that narrative and to steer us away from, you know, you're being lied to about this, right? Now there's no way in the world the government would ever be involved in taking Nazis that they fought at a war and bringing them over and instituting them in the various levels yeah. of, of our society in order to profit off of their technology that they got from fallen angels. What are you talking about? That's poppycock. <laughs> and you got Apple doing yep. a show called for all mankind where they got Werner von Braun. I was like, wait, 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 this is really happening. This is wild. And mm-hmm. like you just said, mm-hmm. Werner von Braun was making a deathbed well, confession. Yes. Go ahead. Let alone his tombstone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's what I. That's where I. That's where I'm pretty much at. Um, I trust very little about the world or anything I see or hear now these these days, particularly. Um, and I feel that that is that is where we are being led, even as Christians. Is just like there is nothing you can trust except except the word, except Jesus, basically. Um, because because even you know even part of the Bible has been brought into question as far as historical accuracy goes with some things and that's a really big rabbit hole to go down and that's very controversial which I don't want to bring up right now but um, there is yeah, some some question as to how far the lies go does it go that far um, I think it's really interesting that CRISPR stands for clustered regularly interspace short palindromic repeats because palindromic in itself gives a lot away and it, when you start looking at palindromic mathematics and history you can actually almost pretty much predict what's going to happen if you can find the right um, point where you flip it, the flip date. Um, it, well, that's John really D. also a very complex thing, but yeah. 
John D talked all about how mathematics was right next to to angel language. Like it all goes right back in, and everybody mm-hmm. skips on him. But it, he he's so pertinent with all of it that I I'm always shocked that it, it, if they go into his Enochian stuff, they throw it out. But they'll give him the mathematician stuff. But uh, I think right. a lot is missed. A lot is missed if if you skip on him. They go straight to Crowley, and then they're lost. And so, and oh, okay. I'll do a whole thing on him later, but you know, Crowley didn't invent anything. He just put some stuff together um, that mm. the Golden Dawn had already done that came from Alice Bailey based, was it? Yep. Exa- all of it was just like, he just did a grab bag and went, you know what? I don't like you guys. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> and so, but everybody's like enamored with him because he was completely wildly crazy. So and he did what he will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody now, likes to watch a train wreck. Let's be honest. So <laughs> now, now, Christopher, I know I know palindromes are your weekend thing, your little hobby on the side. So would you like to talk about palindromes? Ooh. Oh. No, excellent. it's not at all. <laughs> Please. No. What's your take on what's what's your take on this though, Chris? You've been quietly taking all of this in. What's your what's you think is the end goal for this transhumanist agenda? We've had a lot of a lot of theories here and a lot of potentialities, but what's your take on it? Um, it, it seems to me, you know, because a lot of the stuff that we talked about, Project Blue Beam, and you know, the um, whether the the created prophecies or the fulfillment of prophecy tends to fulfill one aspect of the satanic agenda, which is to usher in the Antichrist, right? A uh, one world order. Um, and, and that type of thing, but very much along the lines of what everyone's been saying, I think there's a another um, prong to his attack against humanity, which which goes, you know, back as soon as he realized there was a redemptive plan, and that's to um, to kind of take us out of the running for salvation. You know, he wants to rule the world, but he also wants to cut out any benefit that we have to live here whether that was you know mixing the the angel and human dna right because if there's no humans there can't be a god born of a human to then you know offer up his blood as a sacrifice for everyone everyone and then even after that if it was a human that shed his blood because paul tells us in hebrews that the shedding of animal blood didn't do anything right it didn't do anything to remove the sins of the people it was just a reminder that there needed to be blood shed for the remission of sin. So if we take post Jesus Christ, then if we're if we change from being humans later on, it would also take us out of the running for salvation. And nobody talks about salvation when they're talking about transhumanism, but that's the point is to change what it means to be human. Like it's not even to just make us better humans, it's to change what it even means to be human. And you know, even as far as the the term transhumanism because it's it's a buzzword. I think we've talked about it before is the the fourth industrial revolution. Is what is the the term that the the World Economic Forum uses. So the the first industrial revolution was cotton, textiles, and steel. The second industrial revolution was uh, steel, metallurgy, and energy like the combustion engine. The third was microelectronics, uh, information technologies, and you know ro- robotics and biotech. But the World Economic Forum says that the fourth industrial rep- 
revolution represents a fundamental change in the way that we live, work, and relate to one another. It is a new chapter in human development, enabled by an extraordinary technology advances commensurate with those of the first, second, and third industrial revolutions. These advances are merging the physical, digital, and biological worlds in ways that create both huge promise and potential peril. The speed, breadth, and depth of this revolution is forcing us to rethink how countries develop, how organizations create value, and even what it means to be human. That's the whole idea of these emerging technologies is to change us from humans so we're no longer eligible to be saved. Potentially the mark of the beast. That Yuval Harari, who's very much a big transhumanist, talks about yep. that God is already dead and all we need to do is get rid of the body because God, because man can become like gods now yeah. through the technology. <laughs> it wouldn't all right. surprise his, his that- logic. Sorry, you go, Chris. I was just—I was just going to say his logic is so flawed because you know he claims to be an atheist and that God doesn't actually exist. But we can also attain divine characteristics through technology, and I'm like, you can't have it both ways. But and we I can do believe God's that is called to pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> I just—I just thought him and um, Klaus Schwab were going to do like a weekend at Bernie's. Then put God's him body. with Epstein. <laughs> That's, That's funny. I can see it. <laughs> are you imagine God and he keeps rising up? Yeah. Like, will you Isn't stay buried? Right? What are you doing? <laughs> we buried you four times. Stop. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and it's recorded. Now it's on the history of the internet. I wouldn't at all be surprised if the transhumanist movement tries to create some kind of CRISPR cure-all and they'll label it Salvation Plus. Ooh. <laughs> that actively, like you said, yeah. Chris, th- through its actions actually may take away your ability to be saved. So it'd be quite on the nose for them, and they like to do this. They like putting it in our faces. So it wouldn't be surprised if it had some kind of a biblical context or a religious connotation around it. Mm-hmm. Well, it says the churches will help usher in, so they're definitely mm-hmm. going to have a part in it. I've really been wondering, uh, though, if, if CRISPR would be used to create a a biological uh, container that is suitable for demonic inhabitation, where you would not have to fight against a resident soul. And if you could, I mean, that would be as far as having to create an army that had access to this dimensional plane of existence. That'd be like uh, an entire like holy grail. But I don't think they're happy that way because it seems to me that they could have already done that, but they want the experiences and feelings and creation of a human. And that's what they can't do. Yeah, they they want the greatest creation there is. And now, Mm -hmm. Jason, this is the interesting thing. I think they've already done this. I think they've got bioengineered vessels to inhabit it because they are without body. Mm -hmm. And I'd suggest that those are the grey aliens that people encounter. Yeah. It's like a slave they put on to inhabit this physical realm. But like Heidi said, they don't want some bulbous head, big eyed, grey looking monstrosity. They want humanity. Well, that's, that's what I was why saying. Well, the they want the possession feeling. is so yeah. so so harsh on the human body because they want it and they don't want to let go of it. That's what I was saying. Like if you if you could develop, if you could could further develop CRISPR technology to the point that you really could create a human body 
that didn't have that type of resistance or had a soul that had been through satanic the initiation. Soul, that's the part. You know, that so it, conditioned. Yeah, the soul, that I think, accept. is what's missing. Mm -hmm. uh, either way, well, I think, I think they that want vessel. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't there an identified God gene, a gene that they've identified as being the God gene that yep. they've just magically found? Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Yes. Allegedly. And I did, I did also uh, read somewhere that they had put their own signature into the God gene. So they basically, <laughs> but that, you know, that sounds a bit like spin to me. But um, because you know how they've said that they can, you can actually store data in DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was some sort of signature, and they and they wouldn't say what phrase they'd written into the DNA. And I thought, geez, <laughs> that sounds pretty demonic. But uh, and and how much junk yeah. DNA do they like? Who to knows us what about? And they know stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. they know. I'm like, come on now, you're just <laughs> no, that, lying. That means God didn't point. get it right, basically. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. think that soul part, I think they have perfected the body part, the mm -hmm. body. And I think they do this. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about having clones that can do this and can do that, that are superstars. And they say, oh, yeah. And then they joke about it. And I think they've got that part down. But the soul and the, the able to create the ability to uh, do things or feel things like, I mean, I think they would just be psychopathic, like, because you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't have the inner soul. So they want that. They want to feel those same feelings that we have, which is why they know how to possess a body to get that. They, they want that. And they, they can't, they, I don't think they can get it right because it's God's. If you bring and it back so to the a, body. Yeah. Sorry. If you bring it back to a technological kind of comparison, if they've got the technology to create the bodies, that's like the physical computer. Mm -hmm. But they can't quite work out the operating systems, the, the software behind the hardware. The BIOS and, is and, missing. And, yeah. And <laughs> humans, because we've got the divine spark and we're a part of God's creation, it's almost like we've got a firewall there. We've got an element of protection there that, that can stop it. So through that CRISPR DNA manipulation, if they take out air quotes, the God gene or whatever makes us special, that divine spark, it removes the firewall into what Jason was suggesting, gives them something they can truly inhabit and use. But would it be the same? Would it have the same feelings and the same spark of life? Like, I think that they can do a lot of things, but I don't think they can do that yet. But I do want to uh, say, it's all, also look at the history of what happened to the creator of CRISPR as well. Like all of these people that are involved in any of this stuff are either what happened killing themselves, having heart attacks. Oh, uh, he killed. I think he killed oh, himself. Yeah. Right? Was fell down the stairs on onto two one? bullets in the back of the head. You yeah, know, that old oh, one. yeah. He was. They killed yeah. himself. <sighs> yeah, they killed himself. Yeah, I like that one, Stella. <laughs> they killed himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a great yep. T-shirt. That's yeah. good. That's a good one. <laughs> I'll have to borrow that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. Okay. Apparently, with the CRISPR with the CRISPR technology, the edits that they make, uh, so they say, they don't get um transferred through generations. But if they start editing the sperm or the egg cells, then that will start going through the generations. And I think um maybe it's not. I don't know if if I've quite understood correctly, but I think you were sort of alluding Heidi towards perhaps capturing a soul. I'm not sure. Um. But I think. If, if that's what you were meaning, but I think they're just trying to make us soulless. So it's sort of basically the more we transhuman, uh, our soul is just disappearing. So I guess maybe or it might even be a, 
might be just with one um, one operation or what have you. It might that might be the determination between having a soul and not. I don't know. But I'm just wondering whether it's like they can't capture a soul, but they can get the soul out of us. You know, like make us like them. Just a thought. That's in a little Monsters Inc. suck container. Something. Yeah, <laughs> that's not, that wasn't at all on the nose. I don't even know. <laughs> Do you think there's any significance to the scripture that says that the life of a creature is in the blood and how that compares to the CRISPR technology and, and, and what they're trying to do? 100%. Well, even, outside, even outside of scripture and, and religious connotations of blood within the Bible, blood is seen as a life force across multiple cultures and multiple um, spiritual beliefs and other demographics around the world blood is seen as this this holy force this thing that is coveted it's coveted by demons you know vampires have a need for blood because it is a life force so blood in itself is almost like the oil of the machine it's the amount of information that's stored in your dna that you can get from someone's blood sample it's i think it's very important and if you get someone's blood you get their dna you get an understanding of how that person works and how you can change them or alter them for whatever nefarious purposes you've got. Well, and look at the Aztecs. Look at the people that did the sacrifices. It always went to like blood. Always. It always did. And I yep. find it and, interesting um, that the gold, everybody talks about this gold juice, but if you look at how blood separates when you spin it and the top of it, it's gold completely gold i'm sorry Heidi. We, we don't run the same circles who are the people talking about gold juice and, and what is that uh, have you not seen this one yet uh-oh no <laughs> we got oh, maybe brother i've got to send it to you what the heck? this is not in the negro community we are not on gold juice what what is this chris it's a very it's a very on me it's a very cracker-esque thing gold juice no um <laughs> Cracking up in here. One of the actresses, and I can't recall her name. She's from Orange Is the New Black, that um, female prison show from the US. Okay, she's talking on a podcast about how she was offered the gold juice. She was offered mm -hmm. it two or three times, and anyone who takes it, their careers take off. They become very youthful in appearance. Everything goes well for them, but there's a cost for it. And she's that woman interviewer goes, "What do you mean a cost? You know, the cost, the ultimate cost. If you drink the gold juice." You get everything you want in this earthly plane, but you pay for it in the end with the ultimate payment. Are you serious? And she says, can you, yeah, she's like, can you talk about that more? She goes, well, I really can't. Really? I'll send I'll send you the clip. It's, it's nuts. People have been posting yeah, on Instagram. Taryn Insta Insta Manning or something That's like it. that. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. she, wow. and as soon as I seen it, I made a post. Um, with a picture of a bunch of plasma because it immediately came to my brain. And then I posted also, uh, what's her name? Sandra Bullock. No, uh, I think it is Sandra Bullock. She was talking about getting these facials and she was on the. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they said, what do you put in the face? Um, what do they put? And she said, well, whatever they want to. And she goes, well, what is it? It was Ellen that was asking, which is funny because it had yeah, it was a revelation Ellen's. of the method. <laughs> yeah, because Ellen's totally owned. <laughs> and so she said, well, it, it came from a young person very far away. And I was like, she said it on TV. Like, it was great. I was like, okay. Yes. I mean, 
old Sandra penis face. That's look. old. Yep. That's yep. what it, that's what's up. Yep. And I'm like, well, okay. But yeah, weird. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> These Whatever topics, you want to put wow. on. These topics are floating. I think to last time I was on, uh, last time I was on, Jason said the same thing about yep. something I said. Wow. And it wasn't in his circle. <laughs> no. Well, this is, <laughs> this is the thing though. We we could start on these topics and it's it's like a a web that just permeates everything <laughs> in society and every bit of culture. And it's like we said earlier on. It's so it's, true. It's finding the lie. Where's God. the truth and the lie? Listen, golden showers are somewhere within our cultural boundaries. But now I gotta go yeah, talk well, to Mr. Kelly and be like, uh, Robert, you didn't tell me about gold juice. <laughs> That's yeah. something different, son. Gold juice. Yeah. Go on TikTok and put in gold juice. As soon as we get done, just go on TikTok and put in gold juice. It'll come all oh over the gosh, place. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. Yep. And, right, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. Here we, here we, we could are. go on forever. We could. That's the problem. There's too many rabbit holes that veer off from it. I think Jason's going to write down. Is that gold juice you're drinking there, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, wait, it's just OJ. It's very similar. You about shared it with the rest it. of us. Listen, Drew, <laughs> so you looking. You, you gonna, I'm going to put you on a delay because you almost made me spit out this entire thing of Arizona energy drink. This is what I'll say gold oh juice. This is it's patented. It's, yeah. Now, this makes sense. Is, is gold juice actually within the African American community because black don't crack? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't age like we do. We turn to, we look like six week old bananas when we get older. You guys just age like a fine wine. We don't have that. They were, it's, it's they were talking the about this today saying that if you have enough psychological, uh, Da- not damage, but like when they attack you all the time psychologically, that it actually makes you amp up on your fears and like anxiety and stuff like that. And that that makes you actually appear more youthful. Mm. Just so you know. Well, wow. we've and that they were talking about yeah. that in the black community. Yeah. I, th- I think it's melanin. Keeps I just think melanin youthful. helps you, keeps you youthful. <laughs> you don't require the, the gold juice standard. You know, it's it's a thing. True. That's hilarious. I'm just a yeah, little Nephilim, you know. That's how I do it. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's, nice. let's go around the horn and tell everyone where we can find your work. Heidi, would you like to start off? Sure. Hi, I'm Heidi Love. I'm from the Unfiltered Rise, and we go down all those rabbit holes. We include things like gold juice. <laughs> so come check us out. <laughs> We're on anywhere podcasts are served. <laughs> What's that discount code? Go Gold Juice? Gold Juice 123? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Patreon Gold Juice. Put in Gold Juice. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, Stella, over to you. Uh, yes. Um, thanks for having me, guys. It's really good to meet you all. Um, Union of the Unknowns is where you can find me. We also do your mama's news once a week. And uh, Easy Peasy Podcast, the WTF Forum, uh, sometimes that's with Drew, and uh, occasionally on the Propaganda Report with Brad Binkley. Thanks for having me. No problem. Stella is busy. You go, Stella. You're she can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Energizer Bunny. Sedent, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher, Jason, <laughs> jump into it. Yeah. Who's going to take it? Uh oh! Don't do that. Assign one. Uh, we are we are <laughs> Operation Red Pill. 
I am Christopher. He is Jason. Uh, we do a weekly podcast <laughs> where we pretty much um, tackle two ideas as the foundation of our our episodes. One is, is everything that we see in the world really just um, the consequence of being human or are there actually agendas put in place? And the second idea is, if there are agendas, is the Bible authentic and accurate and trustworthy enough to speak directly to the things that we're going to going through. And where those two ideas intersect is where you will find Jason and I every Wednesday at um, ORP Podcast. We have our home site, orppodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple, uh, ORP, at ORP Podcast. We have uh, Facebook, made it pretty simple across the board, ORP Podcast, and patreon.com slash ORP Podcast. Awesome. And if you're listening to me on any of these lovely people's podcasts, I am Drew Misson from your Missing the Point podcast. You can find me on all the usual podcatchers. I am on Instagram and and on Twitter, or formerly known as Twitter, X as it is now. Um, pretty heavily shadow banned, but if you find me, there's some good content there. He's also part of about Elon. <laughs> I know. God, now he's definitely come after me. Um, no nearer links for me. Uh, and Conspiracy Theater 3000 is a little movie breakdown show that I do with Moral Bob and Ryan Dean. You can catch that as well. Um, Stella, can I call on you to close the show out of the prayer? She got rapture. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> I'm on a delay here. Yes. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of bringing these people together and um, being part of uh, furthering your your word, Lord. Um, thank you for the protection over basically the world, <laughs> everybody um, who needs protection, which is every single one of us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, thank you, Lord, for uh, furthering the missions of these people here and for having your hand upon everything that they do. And uh, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together and I just praise you and thank you for everything that you've done, all your sacrifices and the hope that you give us that we will get through in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. So, all right, Jason, everybody. you can't say rapture before the prayer. I was <laughs> laughing for one minute. <laughs> I was a little upset. I was like, I done missed that. that. I put my gold juice back. It was worse. I recorded right. with these guys lot. was a couple of weeks ago and it literally okay. seemed like there was some kind of a rapture happening at Christopher's house. The house oh, shook and everything. Yeah. That oh, was man. weird. It was real weird. That was wild. That, and on that, that note, everyone, we will catch you next time. No <laughs> raptures until the next show, please. <laughs> no rapture. Catch you all next time. <laughs> See, See you. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Cheers. Bye.